All right. You know what today's episode's about? I don't know. Jordan, what's today's episode about? We're going to be talking about all things tech, speed, control, the dark web, and ultimate scale in a digital business. I love it. I also said how living in an RV helps you as an entrepreneur, how comparison is the thief of happiness. You have to protect your data. Your funnel's not your business, your core offer is. And there's only three big buckets you want to live in when creating an offer. And we cover some of the biggest mistakes people make with funnels. I think that's it. Wow. You took notes. I did. I did. Oh, and how your funnels are just an amplifier for what's already there. So stop making failure your enemy and make it your friend because it's not catastrophic. Let's write a book, bro. We got We got to write a book. That's so good. We'll do this, but let's do it after everybody listens to the episode. So now go listen to the episode. Are you ready to ethically scale your business? Good. Because this is the Mind of George podcast where relationships beat algorithms and depth is the only direction when it comes to ethically scaling your business. Each Monday and Friday, I'll be the guy between your ears in the hoodie and pink shoes guiding you home, giving you the tools to extract, honor, and amplify your genius so you can be the light for your customers. Sound fabulous? Cool. Let's get into the episode. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Mind of George Show. And today, I'm getting excited, and I'm like obsessed with sound effects today just because I got my office set up. I've been on the road for two months, uh, Wi-Fi list, home list, 10 homes in a couple months. But I'm excited because this is the first interview podcast I'm doing in my office, and I'm doing it with a newfound dear friend, like my soul brother from another mother. We might have been like best friends in a previous life. I have no idea, but we see the world the same. I love this man. Um, in a very, very, like he could totally be my work husband type of way. And I'm excited to have him. So today I have my friend Jordan from Drop Funnels on the show. I'm going to bring him in in a minute, but let me tell you, this guy just sweats knowledge, IQ, wisdom, intelligence, marketing 101. And he's the person I text and call when I'm in my own way. And I'm like, hey, somebody called me for advice. Can you help me please? Because I don't have an answer or I'm overthinking this whole thing. But from funnels to messaging, to offers, to software, I don't know anything that he's done and not succeeded at. And so he's got the Midas touch, including everybody I intro him to and every single thing that I ask him for advice on. So without further ado, I would like to welcome the warm, the wonderful, the king of the RV life with his third child on the way. Jordan, welcome to the show. Yo, man, this is, that's the best. That might be the best intro anyone's ever given anyone. Dude, I like, it's my favorite part. Like I tell people that Everyone's like, so what was your dream? I'm like, my dream was to become a freestyle rapper. Like that was my dream, except I suck at it. I could never do it. So instead, like secretly my obsession is I watch freestyle rap like 24 seven. Like I watch it on YouTube. Harry Mack is my favorite. And I want to be like the Eminem of marketing. Like that's why I love speaking and podcasting so much. Yeah, that I mean, it was like it was like liquid gold right there. And 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 apologies to everyone who has to listen to this because I can't possibly live up to that intro in real life. So it's yeah. all right. But well, the RV be. the RV life was true. Yeah, no, that actually is true. Uh, we we owned a, a lake cabin and we've done that for multiple years for like five years. And then my wife Julie, she got pregnant. and She's like, man, I just want to get out and like just go enjoy the rest. We we like we're we're going out for coffee. We literally went out for coffee on a Sunday and came back with a brand new 32 foot trailer, uh, <laughs> like a, an RV. Like literally that's exactly what happened that day. You want to go for coffee? No, we came back with an RV. 
And then like a week later or, or two, we drove all the way down from Minneapolis down to Florida and spent a month there, like no test grounds, no any of that stuff and just figured it out. And, uh, and, and yeah, it's fun. It's, a, I, it's it, a, you know what I love? Life. You know what I love? Like, I think you're a madman because your wife was like five, six months pregnant with two little ones already. And you yeah. guys are like, Hey, we're going to hit the RV life. I just moved <laughs> to Montana. Right. So this was my favorite part. We road tripped from California to Montana. Um, uh-huh. and if anybody in California loves California, you now know how I feel and why I left. I called it California. Oh, yeah, right. Oh, yeah. And so here's the thing. I'm like hitting the road. I got, I, <laughs> no, no joke. Everybody laughed at me. They're like, you're moving. I'm like, yeah, we're road tripping. Like, oh yeah. I'm like, I have four horses, three snakes, two kids, one wife, not in that order. And we're road tripping from California to Montana. So like picture this, like we're about as California as they come. Lindsay's got a white BMW. We're towing the two horse trailer without the horses in it, but we use it as a moving trailer. Then I got the big black zombie apocalypse Jeep with my kid in it. And I have three snakes in the back. And so we road trip from Cali to Vegas, Vegas to Salt Lake City, Salt Lake City to Idaho, Idaho to Montana. And so, like, mm-hmm. I want you to envision, I haven't talked about this. So, you know, you go to Vegas, right? You don't get to park and walk in. I was carrying a cardboard box with two pythons and a red tail boa into a suite at the Palazzo Hotel trying to hide my snakes so I could keep them warm as we moved across the country. <laughs> <laughs> and then I had to do that at the Kimpton in Salt Lake City. And then yeah. at the, at the, in Idaho, we were in Salmon, Idaho. So we were at this bed and breakfast, right? And they have a no pet policy. And so I have to get this by the woman who runs this thing. And she listens to the mm-hmm. podcast now. and She's already heard this story. So she's not mad at me. And uh, I had to get them upstairs done and have a four-year-old be like, don't tell anybody we have pet snakes in this place, right? Like, don't tell the housekeeper. Don't tell the bellman. <laughs> don't tell anybody. And like, we got here and I was like, I don't. I had the blast. I had a blast road tripping. It was one of the most stressful things of my life though, because there's so much unpredictability. Like when he has to pee or yep. if we're in the restaurant too long or like, how are the snakes going to stay warm when we're stopping at that attraction? And I was like, just give me home. And then you're like, oh yeah, my wife's two kids, you know, five, six months pregnant. We're just going to road trip yeah, an RV life. Don't let me paint the picture that it was by any stretch. Like, here's here's the one thing, like, I feel like road tripping or RVing, and I'm sure we're going to get to some really great stuff here we, in a little bit. But, we are. We're setting but, the stage. I feel like it's about perseverance, right? Expectations and perseverance. And I feel like I learned a lot of easy lessons the hard way. For example, if you have an RV, never run out of propane ever. If you run out of propane and the RV park that you're in runs out of power, you will freeze to death if it ever gets below freezing and you have no way to fix it. So that was, I spent like 200 bucks on like these Bluetooth, like, sensors that would tell my phone when the the power when the propane tank was like getting a little bit too low and stuff and it's like i'm like it's at some point it's not even rving i'm just i'm i'm literally technologicing my way through surviving out on the road um and yeah not 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 good at all and i i feel like i probably should have read a book about it ahead of time i'm sure but now i feel like i can write them yeah, I feel like there's a lot of correlations. And then the other one is, uh, you know, running a software company like Drop Funnels on the road with no Wi-Fi because that was another one that I learned because I moved to Montana. So here, here's my big mistake. And I, we'll get into the podcast in a minute, but this is a good seven, eight minutes of setting the stage here. I was like, oh, this is easy. I'm moving. We'll stay in Airbnbs. I'll run the business. I'll run the podcast. I'll do my mastermind calls. Oh, except the maximum upload speed in Montana was two megs, two megs. 
because mm-hmm. apparently I lived in a state where people want to be disconnected from their children and work from home. But here they're like, oh, no, our daycares are only nine to three because you're with your family the rest of the time and you don't need Internet at your house because, you know, you just go to your office. And so I was texting everybody listening. I was texting Jordan like, hey, what hotspot did you use? What's the fastest data that you found? Like that was the biggest struggle for me was like the technological piece. I couldn't. It's extremely real and extremely expensive and difficult. And I think Elon Musk is just like everything else. He's going to solve our problem with Starlink. But until it gets to that point where it's there, it was the absolute most, it was the biggest challenge we possibly faced. It wasn't, it wasn't like sewage tanks. It wasn't about clean water. It wasn't about power. It wasn't even really propane. It wasn't like timing or travel or gas or pop tires or any of that that you'd expect. It was literally running an internet business without internet. Yep. Yeah. It's, uh, and, and tethering is not fast enough to record a podcast or do zoom calls or, no. or have any of that magic. Not even close. Nope. Not even close. So not even close. Okay. So now that you guys have a good understanding of the craziness that's in our life, I'm going to kick off the first question. And I always start with this one and I think it's a good one. And you probably have more wisdom than anybody I know around this. So when you look back, you've been an entrepreneur for a minute, you've done all of it. you've done consulting, coaching, you make offers. Now you run a software company, right? Like you went and made a SaaS platform, which I still think you're a madman for. And I'm glad you do it because I won't. But when you look back at that, when you think about your entire journey as an entrepreneur and all that experience, like what is one of the biggest mistakes slash lessons that you learned? And then how do you implement that and maintain the teachings from that? kind of in everyday life right now? Number one, um, biggest problem, mistake, without a doubt, without any comparison, without any anything close at all, is comparing yourself to other people. And in for a madman like myself, you can take a comparison. They say comparison is the, the thief of happiness, right? I tend to take comparison to have a normalized standard by which I can try to beat. I can try to beat somebody else, you know, competitively in the marketplace on doing something better or cheaper or faster or more scalable and whatnot. But otherwise, like almost all happiness is stolen when you start to compare yourself. So, I mean, you know, we're, we're in the internet marketing space. We're, we're in the entrepreneurial space. The easiest thing you can do is to fall for the trap of the social media lie and every other guy who's out there, one of my buddies is making 4 million a month, um, you know, doing his thing. And like, I'm kudos to him, but I also know behind the scenes, that doesn't mean he's making $4 million. It means that he's spending a million bucks on ads and $2 million a month on teams and infrastructure and tech and software and all those things. And maybe at the end of the day, he ends up with five or 10%, you know, going, which is great, like great, great for him. That's amazing. But it's like, you see the outside perspective and what you really need to understand is the inner work that that's required to get to a certain spot and whether or not that's worth it to you. So for me, I started a SaaS platform in one of the most competitive red oceans on the planet. Um, and only because I knew that there was a, an inkling in me and we can, uh, we're going to dive into this too, that there's enough of um, ethical malfeasance and enough technical issues that exist in the current space that I know for a fact that I can solve and we have solved and we're going to continue to solve that when people become aware of where they're at right now and where, how good things could be, they would radically change their perspective. Right? So in, in the, in the way of, of saying that like, okay, don't compare yourselves to a version of someone else who's put in 10 years and you've only done it for a year and don't expect yourself to be there yet in that same token, the comparison of like saying, what's the best case scenario for me, right? How do I 
get to where I need to be in the right sequence, in the right timing, and put in the the, the leading indicators that end up giving you results. Um, you know, what do you put into place to make that happen? And so that's kind of what the story of drop funnels is all about is like, we, we had this hypothesis that we could treat people better and do it cheaper, faster, more scalable, um, and, and really help people to be the hero of their story. And that's what we've been chasing since day one. So hope that answered the question. Yeah, no, it, it does. And you used a word. What was the M word that you used? There was enough mo- uh, ethical malfeasance. There's enough like just twistedness. It was like, there's, it, it was like, there's, there's business and then there's ethics. And it seems like there's enough ethical boundaries being broken. There's enough malfeasance in that side that it's like, someone needs to do something about that. Someone needs to like either call it out or change it or do something different where that doesn't continue. It's almost like, it's like, I'm going to make the most gross comparison, but it's almost like human trafficking in the sense that like, it's such an underground, still underbelly, like everyone kind of knows it happens, but they don't really put a lot of effort into exposing it or whatever. I'd say that there's an almost not quite that big because there's not quite that much of human capital being destroyed through that, through, through the industry, but a, a very maybe parallel version to a business version, a business version of human trafficking, which is the sales of people's information um, privacy theft. There's enough darkness on that side that I was like, man, as a person who cares about people's hearts and souls and my own heart and soul and my family's heart and soul mm-hmm. that we have to try to do something different. Yeah. And, and that's, uh, I, <laughs> we out here now band-aids coming off. So for those of you, I'm, I'm going to preface this for a minute. Uh, Jordan and I are really good friends and we have some deep, deep conversations and, and in the amazing word that he just used, I, by the way, like I need to read more. Cause I thought of like Disney's Maleficent. Like that was the brain that I, I was it's like, same, same thing. Oh, it's, it's like, uh, in Spanish, it's like mal means bad. It's like Maleficent would be like a bad, it's just like the worst version of bad. It's Got like it. Okay. So I was pretty close. So I'm somewhat educated. Right. So my YouTube education's paying off. Right. I love yeah. it. I love it. <laughs> <Me too. laughs> and so like, you know, what's funny is even the parallels between us, right? So you sell, you know, software and, and you, you do an amazing job. I, by the way, everybody listening, um, I talk about drop funnels on the podcast all the time. I am not paid to talk about drop funnels. I am friends with Jordan. I believe in it. I use it. He's not paying for this episode. Let me just be really crystal clear. Like I believe in it and I use it. Um, but here's what's interesting is that I feel like there's even a parallel for me and it happens in our world. Like I've seen this with a lot of our mastermind students, a lot of our audience and myself included, where, Having a heart and being aligned to your soul and actually adding value creates a reactance in the market because it's so out of the norm and people are so used to being transacted upon or sold simplicity and delivered complexity without realizing what's at the sacrificial bottom of it, like what they're actually losing for that. And I've been in this industry for a long time. Like I got into this game in 2009, 2010 is when I like became accidentally an entrepreneur. And so I was a you know, food blogger, influencer, doing affiliate marketing. And I was like winning because I added value, but then people were crushing me because they were pixel stuffing and stealing data and breaking last clicks and then selling you this and selling you this. And and one of the things I haven't talked about publicly ever is one of the reasons why I left that business and walked away and disappeared. And I felt like it was killing me. Like I felt like the only way I was going to succeed because I was so deeply engrossed in that area was like, I was going to have to sacrifice my soul because everything was shady. There was nothing above brow. Like 
everything was a handoff at the sacrifice of something like, oh, don't tell them we did this and boom. And so I had to like leave the internet for like two and a half years to come back. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. it happens on both sides. And so there's a couple threads that I want to pull. I want to give everybody a preface real quick that, you know, one of the things here is I've had a lot of experience. I've worked with literally hundreds of SaaS companies in this place. I'm friends with a lot of them. I've had some of you guys remember the Alex Sharfin podcast. We talked about the industry, what really happens in the industry and what we've seen. And the software side is no different. It's just as cutthroat, right? It's people spending money, acquiring all these customers on the front to inflate valuations, not really give what's there. And then you have to ask the questions like, how does that company have that many people and support that cost when they only charge that money? And, and one of the things that I don't think people really understand is, is what's done with your data on the back end. Like mm. what actually really, really happens. And so there's a lot that happens that I don't think people are aware of. And I know some of it's going to come up today, but I just want to preface that I've talked about this on the podcast before. I've talked about a lot of this and I choose my loyalties based on how companies work ethically. And one of the reasons I'm such a big proponent for ConvertKit and for Drop Funnels is because I know both of you. I know Nathan. I know Jordan. I believe in everything. You're wide open. You're open book, ethical. You're like, this is why we do it. This is how we do it. Your teams like support customers like there's no tomorrow. And I'm never guilted of like thinking I'm not one funnel away, right? Like I'm never made wrong or bad or, or whatever. And you guys actually stand by your promise and you're really open and authentic. And so... I know that's going to come up. And so I just wanted to preface everybody here that like, this is just an authentic conversation about what really happens in the market. And so I do want to talk about drop funnels for a minute though, because we made the move, uh, I don't know, like a couple months ago, like six months ago, I met Jordan. I met Jordan through uh, our dear friend, Mike Dillard. Mike, love you, man. Thanks for getting a call my wife earlier today about crypto. Appreciate you. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and I found out about drop funnels. And, you know, here's the thing. I've been on all the platforms. I've been on Kajabi. I've been on ClickFunnels. I've been on SoundCard. I've been on Kartra. I've been on Thrive. I've been on all of them. And all of them there were things that worked, things that weren't, but they all felt really complicated, misrepresented. And one of the biggest things is that I never really owned any of it. It was like, I had this tool, I had this tool, I had this tool and things weren't matched. And then when you came along, I was like, oh, WordPress. And then my brain was like, oh, everything's been so simple for so long. I was like, but it really wasn't simple because like load speeds and page times and the things that were really happening on the back end were affecting my business. And then you come along, you're like, no man, it can be better. It can be different. Like, we're not trying to own your data. We're not trying to steal you. No, we can do that. You can make that here. You can do it. And I was so engrossed in the industry that I, for years, thought, like, I couldn't do that anymore, right? Like, oh, I can't build that. Nobody can do that unless I have this software, and nobody can do it unless I have it here. And so I want to know from you, you went from offers and consulting and doing all that stuff to, I'm going to launch this software. I'm going to do this. What were some of the giant holes that you saw that you knew you could solve? I want to start there. Yeah. So like, by the way, there's the obvious comparison to drop funnels versus the other competitors in the space. And like, I, it doesn't mean that we have any um, kind of less respect for the the marketers in that space. I think Russell Brunson's a genius marketer. I think that a lot of these founders of SaaS companies, like point blank, they're just genius marketers, right? So that's kind of on the side. The other side is like, there's the tool side and there's the truth of the matter. And, and I was actually, I came from kind of like the affiliate side. I was doing consulting and marketing and that kind of stuff. And I was actually using ClickFunnels for the longest time. And I was a huge proponent. I was one of the fastest growing um, affiliates uh, in their space at the time. And then I, I, I unfortunately started to see these really 
strange things happening between my affiliates being stolen and some of my data, you know, several people mentioning cases of, uh, of like their, their, their software being, or their, their data being stolen as in like, I would refer someone in and they would continue to be marketed to, you know, by the company and to, uh, into the, the endless soul sucking sales journey that is click funnels. Right. And they're great marketers. Right. But that doesn't necessarily mean that they're giving you just because someone is great at sales doesn't mean that they're great at giving you a great journey, right? At giving you a great product and great fulfillment and great support. And so I found like all the, all this, I just found all these things and they started to add up until like the big house of cards fell down, which is that data theft happening, pixel stuffing happening where my, my credits weren't, you know, going through and lots of people facing that um, massive arbitrage wars in paid advertising um, to, to click funnels pages. And even, the domain reputation being almost, I looked into the DNS structure of ClickFunnels pages. It's not just ClickFunnels. It's a lot of uh, kind of like um, custom coded sales or uh, sales funnel platforms is like their URL structure is seen as a redirect by not only the search engines, but by paid uh, traffic sources like Facebook and YouTube. And so they'll see it as like a black hat, a URL redirect, meaning that people are getting their ad accounts actually shut down because of how their URLs work instead of an actual website in a real, uh, a real infrastructure. And you know, they came out a long time ago where it was perfectly fine, but today it's just not okay. Um, and then I also noticed that like the, my, my, one of my favorite studies is Dean Graziosi's uh, uh, book funnel. One of mm-hmm. his book funnels was loading in 28 seconds based on the speed test, 28 seconds. And we know that based on studies from Amazon, Google, every possible tech company that re- researches this stuff is that if your pages load at any more than four seconds, period, on any sp- any speed test, you are losing money, period. Amazon found that for every 100 milliseconds of latency, your conversions could drop by upwards of 10% per millisecond, meaning that you are losing not only just small amounts of money, you're losing masses amounts of money, especially as you scale an organization. And so like all that, it's like, okay, we've got the sales psychology, but there come that comes at a cost. I kind of have to like to get the tech there that exists where I can sell stuff through a sales funnel and I can make it drag and drop and it should be easy and quick and, and all those types of things. I kind of have to sell my soul to get there. It's kind of like, it's a drug that people bite into and, and frankly, more people make money as an affiliate of that software than they actually do using the software, right? That was another big kind of card that really toppled the deck was like the culture that exists in these companies, I just think don't serve people that, in the greatest way possible. On the other side of the coin, we have a software uh, infrastructure called WordPress. Almost everyone's familiar with WordPress. If you started a blog when you were in junior high, it was probably on WordPress, right? Thanks, Matt. Um, or Zanga, if you guys remember. Were you, George, were you ever on Zanga? I, wa- I wasn't on Zanga, but I wanted to just publicly say thanks, Matt Mullenweg, because I know Matt, and he found a WordPress, and he's a dope dude, and I love that he did it. So. I, I, I got to meet him, for sure, because, I mean, I'm like, I've been such a screaming fanboy about WordPress for so long, and every project I ever built was on WordPress, and, you know, but but part of the thing is that it's so scalable, it's so powerful, it's so fast, and you, it's so customizable that... The problem is it, it with that much variability, you you there's some tech skills required. You need to be able to kind of code. You need plugins. You need themes. You need servers. You need all that kind of stuff. And and to bring it all together brings this beautiful, pure thing to the world. But it's hard and it can get quite expensive depending on what you're trying to do. 
And so we have these two things. I've got sales funnel psychology that does not have the tech that actually serves me. It's stealing my customers. It has really low, uh, slow load speeds. It's overpriced and expensive. And I'm just losing money, period. And I'm losing my customers, period. It's just uh, anyone who's been there long enough knows that this is happening. And we're okay just letting that happen. On the other side, we have this incredible tech. WordPress powers 34% of the internet. It solves 80 to 90% of the indexing issues that Google will face. So you can actually rank your stuff in Google. One of uh, We have a common friend that actually told me about a story. They had a, proje uh, a project where... Uh, they had a, a product and they had someone who like wasn't happy for whatever reason. And they went and launched a WordPress site and, you know, she was on, on, on click funnels and uh, they started like this really crappy little blog or whatever on, on WordPress. That was a negative review and beat her in the search engines almost immediately, even though she's been around for forever and serves the crap out of people. Like someone was able to come in because of the tech, because of WordPress and how powerful it is to actually outrank somebody that's the power of WordPress. Generally speaking, it ranks fast. It's very, very scalable. But I was like, no one's really combined these two things. Mm. And I was like, I've done this for forever. I've done the tech, but it's hard. But the sales funnel psychology really makes sense. But no one's brought these two worlds together to make a code-free, sustainable, clean, uh, no data theft involved infrastructure where you can build sales funnels, blogs, sites, all of your membership courses, your logins, you can sell everything, upsells, downsells, cross-sells, order bumps, um, you know, multiple uh, membership types and styles based on what you want to do and have that control of your own infrastructure and, and in a space where we, we vow to not only treat you the best, but also charge less than other people and not steal your customer data at the same time, we knew that we would be facing an uphill battle. But I knew that for, for on, on my deathbed, I can say that I served people, yeah. right? And I did the best, the best thing that's right for all of us, right? Which is that even if it means I make less money or the company makes less money, we are never going to be called out for treating people ill or for stealing people's data or, you know, uh, lapsing privacy agreements or doing anything just to make a buck. And I just thought that we could do things differently. Yeah. And you know, like this is this is what I commend. And you were actually speaking, and I saw something when you were speaking for the first time since I've been in this game. Because like back in 2009, 2010, like the only place I knew how to sell was ClickBank, right? Like sales funnel mm -hmm. psychology wasn't really a thing at that point. We were all either on WordPress.com or WordPress.org, right? And it was like mm -hmm. we knew it as like food bloggers. Like we made it when we made to WordPress.org, right? When we went from like blogger.com or WordPress.com, like I have my own domain. But then it's like how do I pick a theme? And back then it was like you had to custom code stuff. You'd be dropping bank to get a custom website and so this problem in the market existed right and someone's like okay we can help you do this and make it simpler and easier so themes started to come you know genesis framework studio press all those things started to come and it made it easy and then someone's like oh then sales funnel psychology came on and they're like well we don't know how to build the software doing on wordpress so let's make this other one let's cut out all the stuff that makes us good and just go for money and i actually think there was a point that helped it really changed the industry. Like it really helped from a marketing perspective, like get into consumer psychology, sales funnel psychology. Cause like we weren't going to go spend a hundred grand to make a funnel and custom code it for like 90 days. Like it wasn't a thing. So it actually brought 
marketing forward a ton. But then when those companies start going, you have to fund them, you have to make money, you have to do all of that. And then all the competition comes and it's like, if you're willing to sacrifice your soul, even in like the slightest way and it needs a shower, like it gets dirty really, really quickly. And then you come back and I feel like there's this, um, you know, like uh, there's this rebounding period. Like when you stretch it out, it always comes back and you're kind of like at the forefront of like, hey, let's bring this back to where it belongs, right? Like sales funnel psychology matters. Like everybody should have the ability to make money in their business. They should have the ability to upsell and do down sales and have membership sites mm -hmm. and collect payments. But it shouldn't be at the expense of if you don't pay us, you can't do it anymore or that you can't have all the other things that would make it successful. We need to get to this point where like we can build it on an open source platform. We protect your data. We protect you as a customer. We're really open. We're not, you know, having the old boys club of like, let's pump these hundred testimonials. So everybody thinks all 100,000 people are having, you know, these results and we're being really open about it. And you guys have kind of been at the forefront of like, retracting everything back into like what it belongs at. And, you know, for me, WordPress, you know, at the end of the day, like Matt will say it all day. Like I remember I was in a mastermind with him. He, he was telling me this. He's like, I don't care. He's like, people have the right to own their stuff. I don't have the right to own somebody's data. I don't have to write to own somebody's outcome. I can protect them and let them do that. And you guys basically built on top of it and help people. And so you've said something a few times that, I didn't even understand really until like two years ago, like until I really got into like high levels of scale of like paid media and digital marketing about like data theft or like what that even means. Can you kind of break down what you mean when you say that of like protecting somebody's data or selling somebody's data and how an overview and understanding of that of like how you don't do that, but why it's so imperative and important? Yeah, boy. And it, it's, it's like a really dark hole. So for everyone listening here, I'll keep it kind of high level. If you want to dive in deep, like it'll just depress you. <laughs> so just be aware that it gets dark, but it's the reason that, that like, you know, Zuckerberg was on Capitol Hill being deposed by, you know, dozens of senators is that like, you know, privacy is a very real and critical part of us being in the internet. And we're not just talking about advertisements, right? In this particular case, we're talking about the fundamental aspect of when you sell something on a platform, this is the disposition, this is the biggest difference here that people need to understand, that when you sell something on a platform that you're using to make sales, right? It's a, a sales funnel platform or an e-com platform or anything. Does that platform sell stuff to your customers after they've made a purchase? That's what I like the absolute biggest things that people need to ask of their software company is do you sell stuff to my customers and use their data to make more money for the company when I sell a customer in? Because it absolutely happens, right? And it's a very easy way to make money because technically if I decided to do that and go that route, we could scrape all the customer information from every marketer who's on our platform and technically go target those people to go sell our own stuff to their customers, right? Which is what some people are doing, but it's a massive privacy breach. And I think a breach of trust. So for us, it's not just like, Hey, you're getting cookied and we're going to show you some ads, which, which by the way, I don't have such a, a, a big horse in that game. Would you rather show ads that like you actually care about? or ads that you don't care about. Like if you're a big macho builder, you're going to see, you know, pink tutu uh, 
you know, advertisements or something. It's just not relatable to you. You don't care about it. Would you rather see things that are relatable or not? Because unless you're paying for a platform, you are the attention that's being sold. That's mm -hmm. the nature of the digital economy. So, but what people need to really ask, and if they were, I, I would implore everyone to go ahead and ask whether it's drop funnels or Shopify or click funnels or Kartra or groove funnels or whatever other thing is popping up, ask them, do you pixel my customers and sell stuff to my customers? And that should be the number one determination as to whether or not they're a platform you want to build in. Cause it's the exact same thing as let's say that like you have a big house party, right? Right. And you bring over all your guests and then Walmart down the road takes a picture of every guest that comes through your door and they like find out all their data. They find out everything that's going on. And then they start bombarding those people with advertisements for their own stuff. It's like they're, they're advertising to your people that you paid for and you paid to acquire and they're already hot buyers. Like you did the work to go through that. And so for us, like we just made a stand that like, I'm just not going to treat, I wouldn't, I don't want to be treated that way. It was happening and I didn't want it anymore. And really the platform didn't exist that made it transparent and open. And that we just made a stance that we, that, you know, that they wouldn't do that. And so we just had to kind of format that ourselves. So it's not a fun conversation. It's not a sexy conversation, but it's critical. It's like, it is. It's really critical. It is. And like, I, I I don't talk about this as much as I want to, but I see it across the board, right? Because I'm behind the scenes of these CPG companies and all of this other stuff. But it's like, I know every day I open my inbox, right? And I'm like, I never signed up for that email list. I get pissed. Like, I get pissed. And like, somebody sold my email address, right? Like, somebody that I trusted, that I gave consent to, turned around and sold it, right? And now, you know, we're, we're 10 years past that, right? Because people have been selling email lists forever. But I just Googled it because I was curious. Um, Currently, the value of data analytics, like there's $230 billion a year being invested to get access to this data. Like it is one of the biggest, biggest forms of currency in today's day and age is, is data. And we see people like Facebook go up on Capitol Hill and have to, you know, thing, we see things like GDPR and all of that and protecting the data. But what people miss is that these other companies, these platforms are literally building the softwares that people are transacting on, credit cards are going on, personal information is going on, and they have access to all of that data. And when you start reading and diving into terms of service, like I found out about this conversation about two and a half years ago and I started diving and I had an attorney friend to read me terms of service from one of these platforms. And they're like, do you realize that they're doing this? And I had no clue. Like I had no clue. And it feels like really, really violating. But, you know, like to, to echo what you said, I don't mind retargeting. Like television has been doing it for years with Nielsen. Like you get different commercials based on different areas that you live. And like, I love that personalization, but it's when it gets into like, that's my information. Like I trusted you and I gave you that information. And that was between you and I, like that was an agreed upon relationship. And then that's what I expected. The moment I leave and then I find out that somebody turns around and sells that, like I didn't have that agreement and that's not okay. And I don't ever want my customers to have that or anybody else. And so I think that's what you're talking about there. And, and I think, yeah, data, and, yeah. And just for clarity, like I want people to really, and I'm sure we're going to get to more like fun, sexy, hilarious yeah, yeah, yeah. concepts, right? But I want people to really understand this and know that this is happening for you right now is that it would be like George launching a funnel two marketers about helping them grow their business. I log into his account and see all the people that purchased beyond the cookies, beyond the privacy stuff, beyond the leads or any of that like retargeting data. I log into his account 
I see his list of buyers and I email his buyers and be like, Hey, I know that you're a marketer. I've got this thing. Do you want to buy this as well? It's mm-hmm. that intrusive. It's so far beyond even like terms and conditions and the legal speak and the boilerplate stuff. It's like true invasion of, I know that person wants this because they bought it from one of my customers. Now I'm going to go out and make that person my customer. It's like, it's so dark. And it's like, I don't even like, it can get depressing really quick. Well, to and, know and like to, to summarize it really, really is, um, you make an agreement with somebody like, hey, you're going to come over and buy this thing from me for the next 12 months. And you have that agreement. And you weigh your business on it. You're like, oh, if that's in. And then somebody comes in and takes that business away from you. It's like fighting an uphill battle. And yep. it's like you're doing all of the work. You're investing your dollars to get that attention. You're going on the podcast tours. You're going on the media. You're doing the content. You're writing the blogs. You're recording the videos. You're doing the podcast. You're putting it out into the world. You're getting all that attention. And you worked somewhere between a month and 12 months to get that conversion, to get that sale. And then the person who you're paying to use their platform to get that sale then says, thanks for doing all the work for me. I'm going to now sell to that person without doing any of the work and they're not going to pay you anymore. Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly, it's exactly what's happening. And it is, it's like, that's why I'm saying it's not like as dark as like the human capital version of human trafficking. It's pretty from an economic perspective is pretty darn close. It's like, I'm selling out my best friends and like, Oh, it's just, it's so dark and twisted. And I was like, man, someone has got to stand up for this and someone's got to make new rules um, and, and be willing that even if I have to have a new learning curve, because maybe a software is a little different or whatever that I can trust. It's like, what matters more to you? Is it, is it trust? Is it, is it money? Like what is the ultimate currency for you? Cause end of the day, you're going to have to like <laughs> vouch for what j- decisions you make, you know? And yeah, it's bizarre. I, I'm getting like, you know, worked up again. Like, I know. I get like the chills. It's so dark. It's like, and, ugh, and I want to, I want to give people a little bit of insight, like into me. So like I, and I'm going to say this because I live in this world of marketing, like Jordan and I are talking about like heart centered, my soul, not needing a shower. Because when I started in marketing, I didn't do it that way. I didn't know any better. I, I came up and I was like, if you do this and you do this, and if you just email them this and, you know, do this. And like, I made money doing that, but I actually literally almost died. I had to walk away from that company because it was so out of alignment and so disgusting. And I hurt people. Like I, I really, really hurt people through doing marketing quote unquote, or the way that it was. And this was like six, seven years ago because like the mentors or the people that I found had told me to do it. But it, like, at the end of the day, like I say this all the time. I say this to mastermind members. I say this to everybody. Like, I don't really care. Like, like my bank account balance isn't going on my headstone. Like, I, like mm-hmm. I've never, ever seen that. But like how I made people feel and like my kids get to live with my reputation. Like they get to be in the world of like that I created and I influenced. And, you know, I'm getting teary eyed saying this because what's so hard is like, dude, like you and I do a lot of the same stuff, but I'll have people And I'll have people who I genuinely want to help and I'll go out online and I'll see it and I'll record like a 30 minute video and I'll help them and they'll respond and be like, what are you trying to sell me? I'm like, no, no, genuinely, like I I just wanted to help. Like I I genuinely felt the urge in my heart to help and I feel like a lot more people need to understand that these things exist because – it's like the it's like the undertow, right? Like we think we're making progress, right? But then when we look at shore, we're like a hundred yards down because the darkness like pulled us over there. And a lot more people need to just become aware that this is happening. 
so that it can be different and like it can be protected and and like we know that like where we're spending our time our money our dollars is is going towards what we're doing and it's not being ripped out from under our feet and so I do think it's really, really important to be talked about and, and not even from a place of like, oh, bad mouthing, boom, 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 but just from a place of like ethics. And I think ethics really, really belong in business. Like we're talking about money, food on people's table, like their ability to provide for their kids, their ability to provide for their employees being taken away to basically support big data and somebody else's financial interest that doesn't have yours at mind. And so I think it is an important question to ask and we all need to know that this exists. So Thank you for sharing it. So let me spin it real quick. What's your favorite food? <laughs> dude, I am such a, a pizza fan. It's disgusting. Ooh, what kind? Oh, dude, I love a, I'm kind of a traditionalist. I love the thickest deep dish Chicago style, uh, like either pepperoni, double or triple pepperoni or meat lovers, just the <laughs> grossest pizza you can get. Like if it's gross, I'm probably okay with it. Just just cheesy and like, oh man, just like Giordano's, I would say is one of my favorites. You know, like, you know, it's funny. It's like, I used to go to Chicago like three times a month for vital and my Uber eats, like my guilt meal. And like, nobody knew I was in my hotel alone was Giordano's like deep dish pepperoni. That's and it, like, buddy. The thing is, is that like you, with that pizza though, it, it's not like you pick it up. Like you just need a spoon. Like you just have to eat it from like the top down or put it in a yeah, bowl. Or just like, like take it like a plate and just like dip it. Like, and dip it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you said something earlier that I, I think is important. I, and I think that this is really what it comes down to entrepreneurs, business owners, all of it. Like it's our job to advocate. It's our job to know what we're using, why we're using it. And it's also okay to ask questions. And you said this earlier and I would employ everybody to ask, like take an order to what you're working on and what you're working with and ask yourself like, Hey, do you do this? Like, is this there? Is this clear? And like, make sure you're aligning yourself, but also setting yourself up to win the game because I personally, and, and out of respect, will not say this person's name, but I know somebody who lost about a quarter of a million dollars a month by having affiliates stolen and not attributed mm. and these things happening. And then was mm. also turned around and made the poster child um, against consent because content was recorded under an agreement of something was there and then created IP that somebody took all under this same world and same guys. And, and it's really, really important because there's enough business for all of us and there's enough customers for all of us to do this the right way. Like there is enough to do this the right way that doesn't sacrifice that and, and leave some value where we want to go. And so, okay. So big data, we're done. We kept that pretty clean. I'm not angry. Like I didn't break anything. Um, and so <laughs> I'm pretty proud of myself for that one. Um, cause there's been podcasts that I, 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 I didn't release cause I got really dark really fast. And, um, yeah, I, it's probably best that we just, you know, just if everyone's aware of it, know that it exists and know that there are people who genuinely care. Like even at the expense of us making more money off of you, we just genuinely care about doing things the right way. That's totally. It. Totally. And, and I think, I think that this is really, you know, like uh, <clears throat> I I've been there, but I think it's really about alignment and, and knowing that's out there. And like what I have to give drop funnels props to is like, I can text Jordan whenever I want. I still don't get special effing treatment. Like I get <laughs> put in line and the team comes and helps me. <laughs> But I'm like, come on, dude. Like, can I get like some V? And he's like, no. Like, and, and the team's great. Like, everybody's there. Yeah. They're responsive. They're there. Um, so data, data being one of them. Um, you know, the other thing that I really appreciate about you guys and your team and what I've seen is you basically are like, hey, listen, I think everybody should have access to all the tools. 
And then your job is to figure out if you want to use them or not. Right. And, mm. you know, that's another mm. thing that I see in this market all the time. It's like, hey, we'll give you this. Oh, um, but if you want that, you have to pay for that. Or if you want that, you have to pay for that. Or, oh, we didn't do that. Or now that you've been paying, let us convince you that now what you have isn't enough, even though when we sold it to you, it was enough. And now we want to add this other monthly recurring billing so we can increase our revenue because our server cost is overloaded and we're not making enough money selling your data. So let's just mm. keep adding to the pile. And you guys are really open about all of it. And, and what I love is like you're built on top of WordPress. So like WordPress is WordPress. Like you're not doing anything with it. It's open source. It's there. And you're like, hey, this is how you use it. You guys are really open and transparent. And you're like, hey, you can have all of it all of it. Mm -hmm. And then your team and you, including in your Facebook, including in your marketing, including in all your content, you're also extremely available and extremely helpful for your customers. Like probably to a fault, if I was like looking at it from an efficacy perspective of like time and money <laughs> with employee totally costs and overhead. Like literally this, this morning I had like front end $49 buyers, you know, which most CEOs or founders would be like, push them off. Like they emailed me this morning and I responded to them personally. And I just, I always want to try. And you mentioned that George too. It's like, I think everyone who's made a splash in marketing at some point or another has maybe been in an industry that either knowingly or unknowingly wasn't that great. And I think that, I think I had been there too. Right. And I know what it feels like to be pushed off to the side. Um, and so even like, you know, you and I are on Voxer and it's like, you have a question, you just hit me up and be like, Hey, what's going on with this? I'll be like, okay, I'll put, you know? And so there's a, there's a scale issue to that always. And so that, that's always a balance and, and yeah, running a SaaS platform is not profitable, generally speaking, until you exit, until there's a sale. Mm -hmm. And then your only goal at that point is to really just tread water, right. And try to survive through it. I've never taken a dime of investment. Um, myself, I've completely bootstrapped it. It's, it was, I started with a thousand bucks and we've scaled now with 19 employees all over the world, thousands of, of monthly customers. And, and it's all just by, I think, serving people hopefully better and making yourselves available. Even myself, making myself available to people, I think has been been helpful because I want the customers to win because when they win, they get out there and they get very, very loud and excited about, about winning. And 80% of our acquisitions right now are, are organic. Mm -hmm. uh, only 20% is anything paid or, or uh, camp campaigns from us. In fact, our paid acquisition is actually pretty bad. Like it's not that effective. <laughs> uh, our our customer base is like the very biggest and loudest, most effective source of us getting, you know, acquiring uh, new users and members. Um, but yeah, so so for us, I, I did make a decision, even though this is another thing, highly inefficient, but people uh, are able to take advantage of it, is that I decided I hate being capped on features. I and, and uh, at, this is a point of this recording, right? So like anything, you know, really could change. But um, at this point now, everyone on the platform, regardless of the plan that you're on, you get unlimited funnels, unlimited courses, unlimited pages, unlimited blog posts, unlimited users, unlimited sales, contacts. Literally, there is no limit uh, except for we cap the, the, the uh, kind of the traffic, which is translated into bandwidth that hits your, your plan. And our plans are entirely based on the amount of traffic that you're getting. So if you're getting traffic, you're making sales period. I mean, that's just the, the nature of the case, unless you're doing things really, really wrong. If you're getting traffic, you're making money period. So our plans only scale based on like, Hey, do you want one site? Do you want five sites? Do you want 10 sites? And do you want traffic going all to those sites uh, and everything there? 
Um, and we start at 49 bucks. It was like when I was starting out for, you know, having a $49 option like this would have changed my life, George. I'm telling totally. you, like it would have changed my life. It would have made, it would have saved me so much money and time and headache and uh, tears and blood that I sweated over building, you know, these things that I truly, truly cared about having drop funnels at that time would have been revolutionary in my life at that point in time. And so now I'm like, here's where we're at. And I'm just going to go serve that version of myself from 10 years ago that wishes that I had it. Yeah. And what I, what I actually love about that is like, I look at your plan and your structure, like the internet, right? Like if I only need X amount of bandwidth, I pay the internet company and they give me that much. And if I need more, I pay for more, but it's kind of like, as I scale up and it, it, it's the really easy way. Cause like, I, I think it's the best way to do it. And just for everybody listening, I used to be in the data world. Like I was an IT professional in the Marine Corps. And so like I used to build servers and networks and all of that stuff. And the biggest cost of all of this is you having to send all this data and manage this data data and that server cost of what's there. And then that's like leased yeah. or owned and you either have to build your own server farm or you have to lease all that property, you know, from somebody else who has massive server farms. And it is like probably the one increased thing that like, uh, I think it should be done there <clears throat> totally. And so I have a couple, I, I want to make this a little bit more fun, but one of the things that I think, and, and I'm going to pick your marketing brain because I, I want to give you kudos because not only do you own like a SaaS platform, like you are one of the smartest like business marketing brains that I know. Mm. <clears throat> and I think a lot of the stuff that's in the industry, like you're not only interrupting or disrupting, you know, what is out there from like a, an ethical standpoint, right? But you're also disrupting what's out there from the false promises standpoint, right? And, you know, I think a lot of the marketing out there is like, well, we'll give you, you know, unlimited this or have this. And you're like, but none of that helps anybody make money. It's just a distraction. It's just a, 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 a departure from what actually works. And so when you think about it now as owner of drop funnels, but also having all this experience, what are some of the biggest mistakes that you see entrepreneurs making when it comes to quote unquote, like sales funnels or order bumps or upsells or using the tools that you create that get in the way of them actually succeeding? Oh, dude, I'm so glad you asked that question. And I'm hoping I can have permission to just cut Go. this little bite out because I wish everyone knew this. Uh, and so like the biggest comparison here is like, there's lots of softwares out there. One came out and it's like, as you mentioned, the far side of the other spectrum where things get super hypey and just out of whack. And people like really mistake, you know, features for having a business. Like your funnel is not your business. Your checkout form is not your business. Your ad is not your business. Your core offer is your business. And that's what truly matters is your offer. And what some, there was another one that came out recently and people would know if they knew it, but they came up with this lifetime deal. And it was like, you're going to get like a billion features and affiliate stuff and pages and funnels and all that stuff. And it's lifetime deal for like 1700 bucks. And it's like, yeah, that great. That's like sexy and amazing. And like all these people bought it. They're all logging in right now. Nothing works. Nothing is supported. The features aren't going to be ready. Cause I know cause I'm a SaaS founder for, for a year, maybe two years, they're going to be waiting two years to be getting what they were promised. And, and for us, we're like, Nope, we're not doing it. We're not doing lifetime deals. We're not doing like random hyped up promos. We're not doing any of that baloney because we just want to be honest and true to what we are is to be a, a, a platform of strength. And so what we really teach people is that you're not just one funnel away. 
it's your funnel cannot, you should not mistake a funnel for a business. And that's unfortunately what people have prescribed is that like, that's all I need is a funnel or all I need is a podcast or all I need is an email list, right? No, your business is holistic. Just like it's the same thing saying that you're one funnel away is saying that I'm one workout away from getting a six pack abs. It does not work. It has never worked and it will never work. Doing one thing is not a holistic view. If that's the final little piece that you need and everything else is perfectly dialed in, traffic, sales, conversion, backends, fulfillment, your legal perspective, your business structure, if all of that's at 100% and then you launch a funnel, yes, it's an amplifier, right? And a funnel is an amplifier. But when you don't have a great offer, that's what we really focus on with people um, in fact, we just launched something called the core incubator over 30 days. We're going to coach them into building into uh, their own, their entirely brand new business. Any idea that they have, there is a path to getting that profitable with a digital business without funnels, without ads, without lists, without any of that stuff, because you're truly just focusing in and honing in on what matters, which is what are you going to do for people? What's the primary issue you're going to solve? And there's three buckets that you want to live in. One is uh, courses, which is kind of a do it yourself. You're taking George's mind and you're saying, all right, George has all this experience, hundreds of millions of dollars in results. I'm going to show you what to go do. And I can charge X amount for the access to that information to go do it. That's do it yourself. It's what we call a course or there's done with you, which is coaching or consulting. You can charge a little bit more typically for coaching because it's going to be your time. And it'd be like, Hey, you go to George's event. He's going to work with you. He's going to be there in person. He's going to be able to shake your hand and over, over a meal, be able to share like what's going on with your business and kind of have a little bit of insight into that. And that's worth a ton more, right? We're taking that hundred million dollar perspective from a course and now I'm getting to deliver it on a silver platter. And then there's services, which is like uh, more like uh, done for you. So do it yourself, done with you, done for you, done, done for you is like services. Like how can I get your site ranked on page one of Google? How can I run your Facebook ads? How can I build a funnel for you that will that will actually convert? How can I craft a webinar or write a sales letter? Those are done for you services. So it'd be the same as like, all right, George, I'm going to go to your house. We're going to spend three days together. George is going to be sitting there on his computer, typing away, slamming your sales letter, writing your ad copy, writing your emails. And you're going to spend probably a million bucks and make 10 million back. That's it. That's the nature of these offers. And that's what makes it so valuable. So we really focus with people on their core offer that that's ultimately what matters and that your funnel, your blog, your site, your ads, all those things are only amplifiers of what really matters. It's just like money, George. It's like, you know, when people win, win the lottery, it's an amplifier of who they are. If they're selfish, it makes them more selfish. If they're giving, they will be more giving. If they are generous or caring, or if they are cautious, it will do all of that times 10. It's the same thing with any digital business. It's going to not only really reveal and expose your weaknesses as a human being, but also as a business owner, but it, it really will reveal what matters. And at the heart of every digital business or any business period is what is that core offer? Once you have that dialed in and that focused, if I can impart that to anybody, it's that your offer is what will make you money and it's nothing else. Yeah. It's the problem that you're solving and how you get that to the market. And I think to add to that, because that is the best breakdown I've heard of that, now understanding that the core offer is is the, the afterstate, right? What it is, your quote unquote funnel is just a bridge to meet people where they are, 
to get yep. them into the offer. It's not the offer. It's not the after state. Yes. All it is is a bridge to get them from their island over to yours if they like what yours looks like and wants the results that are over there. Because to add to that, like I go into companies all the time and they have like 84 bridges. And they can't see somebody walking down one all the way over there. And they're wondering, like, how to get more people. I'm like, well, you're sending them to 84 different bridges. I was like, but let's let's stop talking about the bridge for a minute. What is it that you're helping them with? And, like, what's the easiest, most effective way to get them there? And mm -hmm. I think that that's mm -hmm. the best way to think about, you know, a funnel. Simon Bowen does this really well when you think about, like, the genius model. You know, it's it's really, really simple because, like, when, when we think about drop funnels, right, like, drop funnels – doesn't help anybody if they don't know who their customer is, how they're going to help them and be able to deliver that result. And so you can go build funnels and lead magnets and pages and blah, 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 blah. But you're not one funnel away. You're one core offer away. And then you build a funnel or a website or a mechanism that you can send people to, to get them to that offer. And so I absolutely love that breakdown. Let's, let's take an example of pizza, right? Just 10 seconds. It's like, if I've got pizza, I've got Giordano's, my goal is not to like imagine that I have pizza on the other side and then go wave signs and billboards and pass out flyers and all this. Like I've got pizza, pizza, pizza. That's what a funnel is. Then people get there. They're like, all right, where's the pizza? People like build a funnel before they yep. even have like anything of value to offer on the back end. Like they don't. And they're like, oh wait, this funnel isn't working. Let's go to another funnel. Well, what if you actually serve people and gave them great pizza? They'd be on George's podcast right now talking about how much they love Giordano's pizza yep. and it wouldn't require crazy fancy mechanisms and, and, and a hundred thousand different funnels and tons of different traffic sources. You would, you would have so many, one of my good friends runs a, runs a multi-million dollar agency. They haven't run a single ad for themselves. You know why? Because they're so good at running ads for other people. People are begging to get onto his list, mm -hmm. right? And to get into his world, you know? And that's the beauty is like people try to outspend. I, I love who uh, uh, in uh, uh, Eugene Schwartz who wrote Breakthrough, yep. uh, Breakthrough Advertising, he says that no one can afford to create a, a desire in the marketplace, right? The desires are already there, mm -hmm. right? All you have to do is find those things and bridge those people to you. And you're better off having one, especially starting out, one core offer that really serves people and you make that beautiful. It's a beautiful baby Giordano's pizza, right? Mm -hmm. And then anything that you do to get people there, just one path to say, Hey, here's how great it is. Come try it out. There's your funnel, that path. You don't need 80 of those. You don't need a million funnel sources. You don't need a ton of traffic. You need a great core offer and it will almost speak for itself. Yeah. And another thing, I actually have this outline to do an entire podcast on. I'm not going to do it now because I just want to rip it with you because this is like the perfect thing. I think one of the mistakes that I see and I see it perpetuated through the market is that people are hoarding potential, right? Like they Ooh, hoard potential, Yikes! right? Yikes. I literally, dude, I wrote this rant and I was going to do this like parody video on it. Like I did with the Forex and everything else. And I was like, I just haven't done it yet. But it's like what I watch people selling is they're selling unrealized potential that actually never has the ability to be realized because there's no depth mm -hmm. to it. Right. And like what you're talking about is you keep nailing it. Like at the end of the day, no matter where you are in your business and you fast forward five, 10 years and you're successful, 
you might have a hundred physical products. One to three of them accounts for almost all your revenue. You might right. have a hundred offers. One to three of them accounted for the growth of your business, all your lead magnets, even your content. So when I go into companies, I'm like, I help them identify what their hero skews are, what their hero lead magnets are, what their hero pieces of content are, what their hero flavors are. Like I've gone into to CPG companies and supplement companies and like, we need a hero recipe. And they're like, what the F is that? I'm like, you probably right now and all your content have one recipe that gets more traffic and more conversions than anything else that's out there. You can go make hundreds more, but like in Civilized Caveman, the only reason I was successful is because my paleo banana bread. No joke. My paleo banana bread got me a free trip to Pinterest to meet the founders because they couldn't figure out how my one recipe was pinned 900 million times. (laughs) I got married to my wife. They flew us to San Francisco to say, what the hell are you doing at civilizedcavemancooking.com to generate 900 million pins of a banana bread that you make in a blender? And I could have never predicted that or known it. I made hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of recipes. That one recipe made me number one app, 22-week New York Times bestseller, and accounted for like 5 million views a month. And so it didn't matter how many I made. And so what you're talking about is such a powerful concept where what you should be focusing on is what that offer is that meets your customer where they are, takes them there where they want to go and continually iterate and reinforce and make that better and then just find more people to walk over that bridge. But you can go be as omnipresent as you want and build as many funnels and pages as you want. But if that core isn't there, there's no substance. And I tell people, it's like advertising a home and inviting people over for dinner, but it's only framed out. There's no table, there's no furniture, there's no mm. dinner or place to sit. And so you're literally just getting attention and you're actually pushing people further away because there's no depth or place to invite them in to sit down. Yeah, boy. And that there's two, so there's two paths to that. People might be like, all right, cool, George and Jordan, this is great. Like, like tactically speaking, like do you go out and build a hundred offers and see if one sticks or build one and really hone that in, you know, it really depends on your, on your market and your, your disposition, what you want to be doing. But like, I would advocate that people have truly like one incredible piece of value to give to the world, instruction, knowledge, expertise, something that can truly help other people. And like one of the biggest mistakes you can make is to think that everyone knows what you know, because that'll immediately create imposter syndrome, immediately create, like, I'm not good enough. Um, or if you're a narcissist, it'll create like delusions of grandeur, right? Instead, you have to keep in mind that people don't generally know what you know, right? They don't have the experience that you have. They don't have the knowledge or the training that you have, and they haven't been through that life experience. So by sharing that with people and really honing in on that to find that, what was it? Uh, what was your banana? Your paleo banana bread? paleo Paleo banana bread. Yeah. I mean, it's like that one thing it's like, you never know what that thing is. And until you give that out to the world and say, Hey world, what do you think of this? And then iterate, like, how can I improve this? How can I make this really great? And then it's almost like TikTok videos that go like the, uh, what's that one girl? She's, she's like the most viewed on TikTok of all time. Oh, Bella Porch. The video is so, yeah, Bella Porch. Yeah. She's like the, it's the simplest video of M to the G. And if you guys want to look it up and you'll see, it's so basic and simple but also kind of beautiful at the same time. And like, what even is this? It's still kind of entrancing a little bit. I don't even know how many views, probably over a billion views by, oh, dude, by it's this mind point. Blowing. 
but it's like, that is, that is the example of putting something out. What if she never shot that video? What if she never gave that to the world? And the TikTok is the funnel for people to get there. They're sitting there swiping through. They gave her a funnel. She had this product, this offer, which was this kind of quirky little video. P enough people got to it where it starts to blow up. What if only 10 people saw that, right? It's the same as I, I help people kind of craft their offers and whatnot. And then they'll send maybe you have like 10 sales calls or anything. And then none, if nobody converts, like, oh, throw in the towel, it doesn't work. It's like, dude, what if you were in a major league baseball stadium in, in, a, in like, we're talking like absolute world series and you only get 10 swings of the bat in your entire career. That's it. You're there or you're an MLB and you get like one swing, three swings, five, five swings for the entire game. And that's it. And that's not how baseball operates. You get a whole season mm -hmm. worth of swings to get out there and make it happen and just keep swinging. Cause you never know when something's going to get 900 million pins on Pinterest. Right? Yeah. And well, what if you didn't put it out there? And the thing is, it's not, it's just keep swinging, not change sports. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like don't pull a Michael Jordan. Okay. Yeah, no, but like, and I'll use your pizza recipe, right? Like let's say Giordano's deep dish pizza is your absolute favorite. The world locks down right? And you can't get it anymore. And so instead they give you instructions online on how to make it exactly like Giordano's. They ship you the dough Ooh. and they're like, here you go. Right. And they help you. Right. You love it so much and you want that pizza. It's like literally making it once. I mean, like it doesn't taste right. You throw it away and never try again. No, it's really mm. simple. It's just inputs into a process to create an output. If you're going to go lean six Sigma on this. Right. And so I think one of the reasons I'm successful as an entrepreneur now is because I was a food blogger. And so like when I wrote my cookbook, most of the recipes worked. There was this one effing recipe that was the bane of my existence, but it was the most requested recipe ever, which was the, the paleo cinnamon rolls, which by the way, this was like 2014. So like alternative flowers didn't exist. We had coconut and almond, right? And so I had to make that recipe like seven times. It took me like a month. I like threw a batch out the window. I like blasted my kitchen one day because none of it ever worked. But really, it was really simple. I looked at the result and I was like, okay, the consistency is off. So I would go back and I was like, I can either change the process or I can adjust the ingredients. And I would make one change and then it got a little closer. One change and then a little closer. And on the seventh try, we nailed it. It was one of the most popular recipes. And so I think it's really imperative that we understand that like one of the biggest mistakes that I see is what you just alluded to. It's like, I swing until I've hit my threshold and it's normally the one or two tries after that that's the breakthrough for the offer, right? It's because it, that's the point where you're like, I don't know anymore and you have to look at it differently. And design mm -hmm. thinking nails this, right? Like I, I've done this myself where it's like, okay, I get frustrated, like the offer's not working or this didn't convert, but I'm also looking at it through my lens of creation and I'm like limiting myself to my thinking and design thinking is amazing because it basically says change one word to how do I do this or how do I fix this to what might it look like? And just simply changing it to might opens up possibilities that we haven't thought about. And then you try again and you try again. So like, I don't want people to change sports. Like your offer is yours. It's your Olympic sport. It's your specialty. And you just keep practicing and practicing it and making measurable tweaks until it works. And it will work. Like if you've had 10 customers come through and they've gotten results and you can't scale, it's not your offer. You just have to work on the packaging of it or the positioning of it because people have gotten results. So don't quit and abandon it because I did that for so long. Like so long. Like it's, I had a new mistake for sure. Oh. It, it really is. It's almost like you start a McDonald's franchise and you're like, 
uh, I didn't really make it in in my first month. Let's go start a, a Wendy's franchise. It'll probably be better, mm-hmm. right? It's like it's that delusional, uh, and and people should subscribe to a commitment that is at that level. It's like when we move into the online marketing space or whatever, things are generally simpler than brick and mortar. You don't have to have massive outlays of cash like that, but you should have the same level of commitment and foresight into what it really takes to excel because nothing changes from that perspective, right? Yep. If I can get a hundred thousand people in a year through a McDonald's, what is the net profit after that? If I can get a hundred thousand people to my sales funnel, my path to my main offer, how many people buy? What's my net profit? Very likely it's going to be way more than McDonald's mm-hmm. because I'd have a higher lifetime customer value. But if I, if I, if I go for a month and try it and it, you know, I've only gotten maybe a thousand people through the door. It's just not enough big of it. It's not a big enough data set. Like any scientist would say, this is an, an inconclusive experiment because there's not enough data. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think we need to almost turn off our brain and turn on our muscle, like stop overthinking and start doing. And that would make marketing and business building and all of that actually a lot easier because our expectations would be aligned. Well, you you just said something I'm going to ask you about because I, you just hit probably one of the biggest points that I see get in the way of people even succeeding. And you said, stop thinking and start doing. You can't think it into working. Like you can't think mm. it into finding the customer. Like it's field of dreams is bullshit. If mm. you build it, they don't come. Mm-hmm. You build it and then you go find the wrapping paper, be like, Hey, I have this sport. I have this field. And you said it. And and I think for me for years, like, and I struggled with this as an entrepreneur before I ever made my first million or any of that was okay. It didn't work. And I would sit there for weeks and I would stare at a whiteboard. I would type emails that were in draft mode or I would redesign a page. But yet every day there were 20 or 30 people I could have talked to and like pitched the offer to or built a relationship with or added value that would have given me the information. But it was like, I put myself in this silo of like, oh, it didn't work. And I like turned my back on the world and I expected that I would get an answer in like Mm. the dark cave that I needed Mm. the feedback from the world to do. Mm -hmm. So what's your advice around that? Cause like, I'm going to launch an offer next week. That's not going to work out the gate. Like I'm not going to hit a hundred milli on this new offer, right? I launched event tickets. I didn't sell 200 tickets in 10 minutes. I sold a decent amount and I'm happy with it, but I'm still making tweaks to get the next one. So like, what's your advice of like, Hey, when something goes out there and the results aren't ideal, like how do you assess it? How do you get awareness on it? And then how do you recommit and move forward to stay in that action? Because I really believe that this is just a game of consistency. Yeah. And so here's my thought. I think number one, you want to establish KPIs before you even launch. You want to create key performance indicators that will tell you what you're going to be guided by. It's really your North star. So even just this morning, I did that with, uh, with my team on kind of a new, on a new offer. And we said, okay, we want to have dollar clicks. We want $10 leads on average. We'll, we'll definitely beat these, but we want to go with a projection, not a goal. People have like crazy ideas about goals. It's like, I want to go to the moon. You don't, you know, you don't go to the moon. How about you build a projection about when you're going to finish the spaceship? Right? That's going to be a better way to, to gauge your success, right? So we said dollar clicks, $10 leads. We want $50 uh, maybe calls booked for an application style funnel. And we want maybe a three to $500 cost per acquisition for a high ticket program, right? If those numbers pan out, it's great. So we go out and we'll launch it. 
will give it the time that it needs. You need to properly spend, uh, you know, if you're running to paid advertising, you need to be able to spend up to what makes sense for you to acquire a customer. So if I only spend 50 bucks, I've not spent enough to hit my KPIs uh, that I've set for myself. So I need to spend up to 500 bucks in ads just to even see if a buyer comes through. If at that point it does not, it means I'm outside of KPI and it's time to adjust, okay? So step one is to determine for yourself, what are the numbers that are realistic, fairly conservative, right? I don't wanna like hedge my bets on like the very best horse in the best weather in the best physical shape of its life. I wanna hedge my bets on like the third place horse that kind of has been eating Cheetos all season, right? Like what's the worst case scenario here that could happen so that I can hedge my bet a little bit, hedge my projection. So number one, set some KPIs and some standards that you're gonna be guided by. Two, give it enough time or match within the KPIs to actually make that work. Where you're spending up to your, your point of no return, right? So, I mean, I've had a funnel where I spent 10 grand in ads and none of the sales, actually, actually zero sales on the back end even came through. There were a lot of issues outside of it, but th there was enough data there for me to say, okay, that was clearly a failure. And yes, everyone, even people who own a funnel company still fail, right? <laughs> every, yes, every every fitness junkie still like has a cheat day every, you know. So don't don't think that like, uh, even if you're just, even if you haven't been doing this for super long, that you, you won't still see failure. That still happens, right? But we learn from that and we iterate. So one is KPIs, two is giving it the time and pressure that it needs to give it, give it the ammunition before you call the, before you call the show. And then third, it's, I heard, I love this phrase uh, by my buddy Cole. Um, I, I'm sure he brought it from somebody, but he says, it's okay to not hit your sales goals. It's not okay to not know why you didn't hit your sales goals. Or another way of saying it, it's okay to lose, but it's not okay to not know why you didn't, why you lost. Mm -hmm. So to evaluate at the end of that, if you can't clearly identify that is why we failed in this test, right? After clearly setting KPIs, giving it the time and attention it needs, uh, even with slight optimizations throughout the process. And at the end of that experimentation and test, determine, do we know exactly why that failed, right? And if you know, then you've learned through it, right? And you can optimize and scale beyond that. If you don't know, then you're beyond the realm of, like what you can even do, like your skill set is capped out and you need to have someone else come in and then give you a diagnosis or, you know, whatever that happens to be. I think it's always wise to have an outside perspective of someone who's in the game. They are where you want to be and they can look at your stuff. That's why I'm a huge advocate of mentorship, live events, coaching, you know, for people who actually are there and know what they're doing um, to be looking at your stuff and say, okay, based on what I see with no emotion involved, and only my analytical emotive brain uh, or non-emotive brain, purely objective, this is what I see happened and this is what went right or wrong. And then what are we going to do from that? Right. Mm -hmm. So immediately, I think people see failure as like falling off the horse. Mm -hmm. It's not falling off the horse. Like failure is people just diagnose failure as being too catastrophic. It's like, man, it's like, it's such a minor thing in the grand scheme of the rope that is your life. It's this tiny strand just on this tiny little pinpoint that's like, oh, that one broke and it got a little frayed, right? Here, there, there's a good metaphor. It got afraid, right? Maybe fear causes more failure than anything else. 
But that little tiny piece is really the, the, the tiniest little version of something that happened that wasn't in our plan, right? If we had planned differently, maybe the outcome would have been different. If we do this again, are we going to make that, that same mistake again? Very likely not, provided that you make that, that happen. So those are kind of my three rules. And, you know, I could talk about this stuff for probably weeks, but. No, I love it. I love it. I think, I think it's good. I think it's good. And, you know, what was the thing that you said? So um, was it like going to the moon, but having a spaceship? Like, how did you determine that? Because I feel like people Mm -hmm. are like, I failed because they didn't make it to the moon before they ever built the spaceship. Mm. Yeah. So this is from Cal uh, Cal Newport's Deep Work. Yeah. Good book. Yep. Great book. Talks about leading indicators and lagging results, right? So never attach yourself to results which is the biggest mistake most people make say i want to go make money that's the dumbest idea you can ever make right i'm going to go make money because then you're just going to be wishing thinking hoping that you make money right instead of doing the things that lead up to making money so instead hedge your bets and reward yourself for the leading indicators that lead to results so if i know say i'm a consultant and i want to get i've got a ten thousand dollar coaching offer If I know that I can close one out of 10 people, which is really low, a 10% conversion into my $10,000 program, and I want to make 30 grand this month, how many calls do I need to do? I need to do 30 calls. So if I've got a 10% conversion rate into a 10K program, I need to do 30 calls. And if I do those 30 calls, I will make 30K. That's it. Mm -hmm. Those are the numbers. If all things remain the same, it's the average of the mean. It's where you can, the law of average of averages will remove your, your distinction towards being very emotional, right? Mm-hmm. It's not emotional. It's numbers. Look at your numbers. If you have a 10K product, you close at 10, 10%, you run 30 calls, you will make 30 grand. That's the, that's the nature of the machine that exists. Uh, if you want to make 50, you make 50 calls. Or what else can you do? You can double your conversion rate. If you make 20% of sales for those 30 calls, you make 60 grand, right? So we can tweak any one of these numbers in the process and say, my goal is not, I don't want to make 60K. I want to close 20% of my deals and book 30 calls. Mm -hmm. Which one has a better likelihood of actually hitting 60K in total revenue? It would be the leading indicators. So I'm going to say, I'm going to book by th- this month, I'm going to book 30 calls, 30 strategy calls, or discover calls, whatever you call them. And I'm going to close 20% of those people in. If I hedge my attachment to doing that work, the results always take care of themselves mm-hmm. all the time. I've, I rarely see anything happen to the, con- to the contrary. Yeah. That one just hit me in the gut. <clears throat> Thanks, man. Appreciate it. It's tough. I know. I know. I I got to go check myself sometimes. Like, did did I bring the leads? Did I do the calls? But what I I think is so important is that like, it never goes away. Like it it doesn't matter what level you make it to. It's always going to come down to that same process, like those same inputs. And it's the same game, except you just get bigger results, bigger circumstances, but also bigger consequences when you forget it, which is why we have friends that remind us and play this game together. Because like (laughs) you're saying that and I'm sitting here and I'm like, oh, yeah, we have the event coming up and I'm stoked on tickets. I'm like, oh, wait, I haven't done anything today to actually sell a ticket. And I'm like sitting over here like. 
I'm like, oh, nothing came in today. I'm like, oh, yeah, but if I look at yesterday when like 12 or 14 came in, I'm like, oh, I generated those 14 today. I was yeah. too busy watching YouTube videos of freestyle rap to bring it full circle. Oh, geez. Oh, geez. And, and, and what would happen if you literally did almost the exact same thing you did yesterday to, to bring in those sales? I mean, again, if you hit the exact same audience, like 20 times are going to get burned out. I mean, there's a point in time where insanity kicks in, right? Yeah. You can't keep hitting the same offer to the same list. That's like asking your mom for a hundred dollars three times a day. And she's just going to slap you in the face because you're being an idiot, right? There's that side of things, right? But if you did that exact same pitch to another audience and either borrowed someone else's audience or leveraged paid advertising or went back to your email list with a different uh, angle, a different whatever, it's like you can very likely expect the same result, mm -hmm. which is the beautiful part and the control that we have, which is if I want to get, if you want a hundred people to come to your event, which I think if anyone can come, you should come because yeah. I'll be there and we'll hang out. It'll be a great time. But <laughs> if you want a hundred people to attend that event and say, you've got like 10 in a single day that was booked, what happened then that you can replicate either to the same list with a different angle or another audience with that same original angle, you should very likely see similar results as well. So it's like, we just play this game of like, if I send an email, I make this much money. If I put out a Facebook post, I get this much engagement. If I do a two-step post in a Facebook group and I can book these many calls, I get this many sales on the outside. Then it becomes predictable. It's like the, the other day I was uh, running a webinar. I was like, you know, we're, we're down about 15K or so on our, uh, on, our, on our revenue sheet, on our budget. So I launched a webinar to about 100 people 32 of those people bought into a $500 program and then it closed our 15 K deficit. Right. I mean, that just becomes a skill set that you master, which is like, if I go out and make this offer to this many people, I will make this much revenue every single time I do it. If I do this, I get that it's input process and output. I love the way you put that. Yeah. Yeah. I got a, that's the SIPOC model. So supplier input process output customer, um, for the little bit of organization my brain does to be effective at what I do. Um, so I love it. I think that that's going to be a close. And here's the beautiful serendipitous part of this. Right before we did this interview, I recorded an entire episode on the traffic tripod, earned, owned, and paid media. And so the fact that you just said that, it comes out two days before this episode does, which is absolutely perfect. So we'll leave the traffic tripod where the traffic tripod belongs, which by the way, was a really difficult concept to speak through when I'm using a diagram in front of me. And I was like, oh yeah, this is one of those ones that like needs a video, but yeah, it's, it's fun. And, and I love that. So, um, first, and like we, just in case you guys haven't found out, I use drop funnels, use drop funnels, but you want to give me like an overview, like who is it for like best place to go, like how to get started. Like I would actually love from your side, not my side. Sure. Yeah. So for anyone who's running uh, sales funnels or you want to build a course, a membership platform, um, you want to build a, a, a sales funnel with upsells to kind of get your, uh, either your information or your products out to the world. Uh, you know, drop funnels is really the elite marketer's choice where, uh, as we mentioned here, we're not going to sell your data or your customers or, or market to them or remarket to them. Uh, it truly is a place where I think that you can thrive. It starts at just 49 bucks. It's a, it's actually, uh, there's a free trial too. So you can kind of get going there. If people want to reach out to me directly, I'm Jordan, J-O-R-D-A-N at dropfunnels.com. So 
there we go again, um, giving away some, uh, you know, <laughs> if you ever want to contact, we're, we're very, uh, you know, support matters a bunch to us. Um, you know, you being the hero and supporting you through your journey is what really matters to us. Um, and, and so we're, we're excited to see people, you know, truly flourish and build something that's beautiful and their own. And yes, there's new things to build new things to learn, learning curves for any new tool that you're going to, uh, ultimately utilize. But, you know, we truly be, uh, believe that, that we're here to serve people in the best way possible financially, ethically through support, uh, and all those things as well. So, uh, you can go to dropfunnels.com and uh, check it out and see if it, it feels uh, like a good fit for you. I love it. And I'll invoice you for this podcast later. <clears throat> and you, yep. can, you can sell my data <laughs> to pay for it. You can sell my data to pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, yes. And that's his email. And you know what's funny is I gave my personal email on Mike's podcast a couple years ago. And he's like, you're nuts. And I was like, Maybe. <laughs> Maybe it ended up being a really smart decision. So I love it. And, and I'm going to advocate for this. Uh, one of my favorite features, by the way, though, is I always like finding inspiration online. I'm like, I want my stuff to look like this and I never want to hire a designer. And I love drop funnels. Like I can drop the link in and it basically brings it in for me. And so I, it's one of my favorite things. It's one of my favorite things ever because it gives me a good baseline to work from. Yeah. And, and if, uh, if you need to migrate, we've got a great migration team. If they're if people like they want to move in and that's fine. You can help them there. Uh, there's an auto migration. If you have a click funnels site or whatever, you can actually, it's a one click import and it'll just bring in your stuff about 80 to 90% accurate, um, to get you, get some of your designs moved in there and suddenly you're on WordPress. And so now your sales funnels can be found in Google. And when people are searching for you, that's a huge deal. Like imagine people searching for how to lose weight, you know, this month or something, and then your sales funnel pops up as uh, a front page result. I mean, that's possible now. So yep. that's and, the beauty of it. And I also covered that in the previous podcast. If you haven't listened, that's owned traffic, just so you know, just so you know, mm -hmm. that's mm -hmm. owned traffic. Right. Boom. So I love it. Um, I always close with this question. Um, everybody listening, it's been an absolute blast. We'll have to do round two, Jordo, because I love it. I think one. we need to. Yeah, we'll do, we'll do round two for sure. We'll give it a gap to this marinates for people. But everybody listening uh, is only going to remember what you say right now. It's going to be tattooed on their soul. It's the one thing they're going to take forward with them. What would you have people tattoo on their soul to remember? Like, what would you leave people with? What would you want them to know? Or what words of wisdom would you tattoo on their soul to end the episode? Oh, boy, that's that's great. And that's a ton of heat. I feel my face burning right now. Um, <laughs> uh, I would say believe in these two fundamental concepts. It's speed and control. There's no competitive advantage to being second to market or being second best or being second cheapest. There is true power in being a differentiator. There's plenty of room in the space for disruption and innovation and ideas. And when you control your infrastructure, you control your tech and what you do with your business and how that relays the message to the market, that's true control of your business to own the cart and own where your ideas go. Um, that level of speed and control, not just fast pages and fast infrastructure, but getting out to the market quickly, knowing that when I have an idea, I can launch it in a moment's notice. Whenever I want, I can launch a sales page. I can launch a webinar. I can send out an email and make 20 grand in sales just because of building out that audience. It's those two things of speed and control. And if you chase those two things, I fully, fully believe, embrace, recognize, and trust that it can change your life, your family's life, 
build multi-generational wealth, build true belief in what you have to offer to the world. And these are just these micro ingredients that I think can be the smallest hinge that swings the biggest door. I love it. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna dilute that wisdom at all. We're gonna go ahead and just use some sound effects for that one. So listen. Thank you for being here, Jordo. I'm going to wrap right now. So everybody, this is another episode, Free For All Friday. Um, go to dropfunnels.com. Um, I would say something intelligent, like not only I'm the founder, but I'm a member too, but this isn't Hair Club for Men. I actually just use the platform and I love it and my team loves it. And I highly recommend Jordan. I highly recommend his team and I highly recommend you get your ass to my event in April in Montana because Jordan will be there and you can corner him and have him build all your stuff for you. He didn't offer that, but I'm going to tell you that if you do it, he'll probably do it. So go to dropfunnels.com. I will see you guys in the next episode. Go to minorgeorge.com for all the event details are on the top of my homepage. And if you're listening to this after April, you're going to have to sign up for the next one. Sorry. So I will see you guys in the next episode. I will hear you in your earballs. Have a good day and I will talk to you soon. Now it's time to cue the outro. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Mind of George show. Please make sure you subscribe on your favorite channel that you listen to, whether it's in the car, on your run, or in front of the television. Make sure you leave a review to help other people know how much you love the show and quite frankly, help me know how much you love the show because I read them all. And if you want five-minute daily insider nuggets on business, marketing, leadership, mindset, or any other tool that you would need to build and scale your company, make sure you register for my invite-only newsletter. I call it the Lightkeeper Lessons. I hold nothing back here and I share everything that works for me, my friends and mentors, and thousands of my students around the world to thrive in life and keep our lighthouses shining brightly. We will eventually be charging for this, but for now, for you, because you're listening to the podcast, it's free. So if you want to sign up, go to www.lightkeeper.club, fill out the application, and then check your inbox because it's magic. You actually have to open the emails to get the gifts inside. Otherwise, you can get access to my Relationships Beats Algorithms Facebook community and other free resources on the website. So just go to www.mindofgeorge.com and I'll see you in the next episode.